Uh, what's up, my B? I have been having a goddamn week. <laughs> what happened? Uh, well, I've been on this, uh, it's not like a juice cleanse. Oh, God. But I've... <laughs> <laughs> already concerned because <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 i've been counting i did like my uh, my, my micros and macros and i've been counting college the past like two months mm-hmm. and i've been like losing and like i've noticed that like, my biggest like caloric intake is in the morning because i love breakfast yeah and i always get like pancakes and eggs and stuff like that it's like all right you know what <laughs> you wildin <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I'm doing way too much because like I'll, I'll eat like 500 calories in the morning and but oh, I only got like 900 left to spare for lunch and dinner. Like what the fuck? <laughs> so I was like, all right, I bought like a little mini blender and in the mornings instead of like pancakes and stuff, I'll just have like boiled, like two boiled eggs and then I have a smoothie and it's like avocado, banana, soy milk, cinnamon, honey, ice. It's really good. Yeah. But now in the, yeah, but now in the mornings, I'm just like super gassy. Oh no, ew! <laughs> and yeah, so everyone, I'm like, uh, so like we're doing patrols in a Humvee, and everyone just hates me now because I'm just like root to it. Oh god, you're in close <laughs> quarters. No one wants to be that guy. Yeah, and there's no AC in there, and I, just, I told him like, hey, you, this is gonna suck, everybody. So just like <laughs> crack that window as much as you can. That, that combat glass is a bitch, I know. Oh my god, <laughs> Andre. <laughs> It saves lives but traps farts, and it's, it's a real give and take. <laughs> oh my god, I... So I started a job a couple of months ago, and they have like a fully stocked kitchen, and they get these like fresh meals delivered for lunch every day, and I swear oh to god, god, I have gained 10 pounds since I've started working there. <laughs> and I do not, I do not like working out, so I'm like, well, isn't this some shit? So I've started like going to like hot yoga and like spin classes and i am living in my own personal hell oh well, speaking of yoga i just started this thing i work out like twice a day yeah so i usually do like bodyweight stuff in the morning and then i weight train at night mm-hmm. and my one friend who was like he got like super ripped over this deployment he said oh i only do animal flow yoga i was like what the fuck is that <laughs> and it's like yoga but combined with like a bunch of these weird spastic animal-like movements what the like, fuck you're, like crawling across the floor and shit yeah, like it's insane. No, I there's like one move. It's called it's called like the They're reverse. They're like scroll. everybody now get into leopard pounce pose. <laughs> Bite your neighbors. Be it. <laughs> <laughs> now sit on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's one move called the scorpion, where like you're like you do know the scorpion pose. You throw your leg up in the air, but then when you hit your leg up in the air, you have to throw your leg like across your body and then spin into corp like in, like in a crab pose it's like it's weird flows but it beats your goddamn ass like you do it for, I, I track myself with my little watch i did it for 20 minutes and burned like 300 calories and but my whole body what? was sore as shit animal yoga i'll, I'll send you the ebook i bought the ebook for it too i'll send you the ebook and you just read it over it okay I'm, you, it's it's fucking insane but like it gets you it's a really good workout it's just you're gonna hate yourself afterwards all right well i am trying to get into shape i my goal is to have beyonce's ass i've been squatting <laughs> <laughs> that is like my goal right now and um <laughs> you want to get stronger you want to get faster no i want beyonce's ass i know and like maybe these extra calories will help me achieve that body because right now i 
basically this is my body type. Picture a 12 year old boy oh. that God decided to strap two like giant melons to. Very top heavy, <laughs> very upsetting. <laughs> So like a, like so like like a slim weeble wobble, like bobble <laughs> on the top. <laughs> exactly. You won't fall down. You will not fall down. <laughs> I'm like, we really need to strengthen this core and back if my body's gonna support this this upper shelf. <laughs> now, see me. I would describe myself as okay. So like, imagine okay, so from the waist up. Just imagine like a normal like male physique. You know. Like nothing too crazy, but then like waist down, for some reason it gave me Nicki Minaj's ass <laughs> and his like thighs like a motherfucker. <laughs> you know what though? Of all the asses to have, Nicki Minaj's is kind of ideal. It, it's cumbersome and like I don't want it. <laughs> it's cumbersome. <laughs> and like I, like I thought forever, I was like, oh, if I just work out my legs and tone my legs, like, oh, my ass will shrink. But no, it was the exact opposite. The more I worked out my legs, the, more... the bigger. <laughs> Even more luscious even and more supple. <laughs> and like the females on his deployment, they're always like catcall at me, like jokingly catcall at me. <laughs> like, oh, it's just the word. I, so I'm like, sitting there squatting and then people are just staring and like, come on, man. I wish we could trade, like I would have a normal top and be bootylicious. This is trade legs. Not that I want you to have huge honking boobs, but... We, we get it. We can just like trade butts and legs. Yeah, and if, if we'll I could have your lower half, I would be happy. <laughs> not, the, not, not, not the genitalia, just the legs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, part of me does wonder what would it be like, but no, we can. I don't need to find out. It's it's also cumbersome. <laughs> like, see, you you can ride a bike with ease. Me, I have to like adjust. I can't. I can't be on it too long. You like, gotta tape it down. The things start to hurt. You gotta, you gotta strap it back. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is that no matter what your body type is, it comes with its own challenges. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta work with what you got. Work within your means. Exactly. Emphasize what you have. And on that note, we are <laughs> bruh, it's a murder. <laughs> this is not... Despite what it sounds like, not a body positivity podcast, but we do support all body types here. We su- yeah, <laughs> we try our best to show support for all body types, even though we may not like our own in the moment. But you know what? That's my issue, not yours. Yeah, you, you know love what? Yourself. I'm working on myself. I work on my. I got my own demons, and they all float. Honestly. <laughs> well, welcome. Yeah, welcome. We're gonna cover some true crime cases. We got some music too, and a special announcement at the end. So, uh, who went first last time? I don't oh, even God remember. Damn. I feel like it's been a month. It was no, yeah, it was. <laughs> you went first last time, so I'll go first this time. Uh, okay. And mine is, I w- it's not really a blast from the past because mm-hmm. the '90s isn't that long ago. This happened in '91, but it's a story that I saw pop up on Facebook like someone made a post on Facebook they got a bunch of shares about the story and it made me like remember it so I just researched it and I was like oh this is like really messed up and insane and I'm I'm gonna talk about it all right and this yeah so strap in we're going in a way back machine to 1991 whoop whoop time machine noises (laughs) where scrunchies and shoulder pads abound oh yeah like Terminator 2 was about to come out I think Cheers was popular who was president? Roseanne was wasn't it... tweeting anything racist. 
Was it Reagan? Was it H.W.? <laughs> I think it was one of the Bushes, right? Yeah, it must have been H.W. Holler, get that Gulf War on. <laughs> okay, I, no one has ever explained to me how a father and son were both president at one point. I still don't understand how that happened. Um, I can tell you, and it's called a dynasty and nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> Plain, you know, you, yeah, wrap it up. It was good. Plain and simple. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the story of the murder of Letitia Harlan. So I'm gonna give you her backstory because mm-hmm. she's just she was a normal black girl. Harlan was born in East St. Louis, Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, to Crystal Harlan and her father. They called him Vester. Uh, Letitia had a younger brother uh, named Vester Jr. and a younger sister named Christina. The family moved from Illinois to South Central Los Angeles in 1981 when Letitia was six years old. Her dad took a job at a steel factory where, while her mom served as a waitress at a local tavern. They lived near 89th Street and Broadway, just a few blocks from where Letitia would be murdered 10 years later. So the father, Vester, was known to be abusive towards Harlan, like all of them, mom, son, no. He would attack the family and, and attack the mom in front of Letitia and her siblings. Both parents drank heavily and smoked crack cocaine because that was a big epidemic back then. Right. Thank you, CIA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that That's a whole other... Like, we could do such a <laughs> that's series a on that. Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> I just tipped that iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, though. All right, so... Uh, their unstable marriage eventually was completed in, well, not completed, but came to an end in 1983. Uh, Crystal was, the mother, was actually brutally gunned down outside Los Angeles in a nightclub. Oh, my God. Uh, the father, yeah, and that's a whole different case. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, so like, the father's new girlfriend suggested that he, instead of taking custody of the kids who are now motherless and they were living with their mother, that he should drop them off at their maternal grandmother's house, Ruth Harlan. So the dad basically abandoned them, per se, his new girlfriend, after the death of their mother. Oh my God. A real winner is what we call that. A real... (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the death of her mother had obviously devastating effects on Letitia, who was a young girl coming into her womanhood. And you kind of need your mother at that those crucial moments absolutely uh she began to rebel a lot like most you know upset teenagers do Mm -hmm. uh she will also argue with her grandmother and her aunt denise a lot their relationship worsened the further uh, well you know the more leticia got older because again you're coming puberty is a bitch like a motherfucker yeah (laughs) so you're it's it's just heightening everything you're already angry about so when she was 14 she began a relationship with a 29-year-old counselor at a local recreational center called Jerry Foster. So, you know this guy was predatory as fuck, working there to prey on young girls. Yeah, it's and he and he obviously harped on a young girl who was extremely vulnerable at this time. Yeah. May he rot in hell. Well, as anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, I have a lot of opinions about <laughs> old men dating younger girls but again that is another podcast (laughs) (laughs) so at the time of her death Letitia was a student at Westchester High School Uh, she was despite you know 
rebelling a lot and running away and having an almost 30 year old boyfriend she was a good student like she still managed to get good grades in high school yeah like she was in from her friend's perspective she was a normal girl like you know yeah she got in trouble every now and again but she never really bought that shit to school where her friends they would you know, do normal kid stuff they weren't really out running the streets so she's a good girl she was a good yeah good girl so now let's move into the actual incident itself so a woman named son jadu a korean 51 year old korean immigrant owned a liquor store called empire liquor which was situated at the intersection of 91st street and and, uh, figueroa ave so it was right around where she resided at it was close it was like a corner store i don't know if you told you have those like random like corner stores that just like have random assortments of candies and stuff. In Utah, we only have state liquor stores and all the convenience stores are like certified gas stations like 7-Eleven and like Chevron. So we don't, but I've, I've lived in like DC and Chicago. So I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. So like those random stores run by like a nice immigrant family and you go in there for like dollar candies and stuff. It was like one of those shops. Yeah. That she frequented a lot because it was right in the area. That place was normally run by uh, Son herself or her husband, uh, his name was Billy, or their son. Mm-hmm. So the morning of the incident, only Son was working. The husband was outside in a family van, like, taking a rest, because he's an older guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no harm in taking a nap. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, Mrs. so, you know, Harlan walks into the store like she normally does. And do observed Harlan putting a bottle of orange juice into her backpack. Now, do concluded that Harlan was trying to steal this and didn't see the money that Harlan actually had in her hand preparing to pay for the orange juice. Like she just threw it in her bag because, like, I'm just gonna I'm drinking this later. I'm gonna throw it in my bag, got the money in my hand, she's gonna go pay. Yeah. So do claimed to have asked Harlan if she intended to pay for the orange juice, to which do also claim Harlan responded saying what orange juice now two eyewitnesses disputed the claim saying that duke called harlan outright to said hey bitch and accused her of attempting to steal to which they claim harlan responded holding the money in her hand saying that hey i'm going to pay for this yeah after speaking to the eye after speaking to the eyewitnesses present and reviewing the tape uh, uh like the security camera tape police came to the conclusion that harlan was actually going to pay for the drink because she's clearly waving in her hand and saying i'm gonna pay for this like calm down yeah the uh videotape showed that dude grabbed harlan by her sweater and snatched her backpack trying to get the orange juice harlan then in response struck dude in the face three times locking her to the ground like more like in self-defense like get the fuck off me yeah stop touching me i said i was gonna pay for it yeah and after harlan backed away dude threw a stool at her (gasps) and harlan picked yeah. Harlan picked up the orange juice, like the bottle that she dropped on the ground during a scuffle. Uh, Deuce snatched the bottle from her hand again, and Harlan turned around to leave, like, kind of just be done with the situation. Yeah. As she turned her back to her to walk out the store, Deuce reached under the counter, grabbed the revolver, <gasps> and fired it, fired one shot at the back of Harlan's head. Are you kidding me? Over orange juice? Yep, three feet away from her. Over literally a oh my god the bullet struck her in the back of the head killing her instantly 
Du's husband, Billy, heard the gunshot, of course, and rushed inside. After talking to his wife, who kept asking, I guess she was in a state of shock because she kept asking where Harlan was, where is she at, and then she fainted. Du, uh, Billy called 911 and reported a attempted robbery. An, a- an attempted robbery. Yeah. I mean, in his defense, he, I, I think he didn't understand what was going on. He kind of just ran in. He probably didn't want to, you know, assume that his wife just shot an innocent girl for no reason. I even mean, though there's no evidence of a robbery. I mean, fair enough. But I guess just sitting here knowing the full story, it's like, what? It's like, really? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> then, uh, so she was obviously arrested. Uh, Dude testified on her, on her own behalf, claiming that the shooting was in self-defense and that she believed her life was in danger, which makes no conceivable sense whatsoever because she literally turned her back to to you you. yeah (sighs) her testimony was conducted by statements well was contradicted by statements of the two witnesses who saw the whole event uh they obviously told everything that they saw and then the tapes backed it up that she just shot her in the back of the head as she turned around a los angeles police department did a ballistic report and also found that the handgun do use was modified in a way that required much less pressure on the trigger to fire. So it was easier and faster to pull off rounds. She had a modded gun, which pretty sure that's not legal in California. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert so, on gun well, laws, but I know that a modded gun is usually not. <laughs> yeah. Usually not a legal weapon. So on November 15th, no, no. So this happened in March. So now on November 15th, uh, a jury found that Dew's decision to fire the gun was fully within her control and that she fired it voluntarily. So she wasn't in danger. She chose at that moment, I'm going to kill this little girl, which she did. Yeah. The jury found Dew guilty of voluntary manslaughter in an offense that has a maximum of 16 years in prison. But the, well, no, the jury actually did recommend that she gets the maximum sentence. However, a, the child judge didn't agree with the jury sentencing recommendation and only sentenced her to five years of probation, what? 400 hours of community service, and a $500 fine. What? For the murder of a 14-year-old girl. Wait, so this girl gets five years not even in jail on probation? No, probation, 400 hours of community service. Oh, wait, no, and a $500 fine. <sighs> So she killed someone, had to pick up some trash on the side of the freeway and pay $500. Yeah, she got away with murder. <sighs> so Judge Carlene is her name, proposed to, she said there was a lot of mitigating circumstances to Harlan's death and stated that, did Mrs. Do react inappropriately? Absolutely. However, was the reaction understandable? I think that it was. She also added that this is not a time for revenge, and no matter what sentence the court opposes, Mrs. Dew will be punished every day for the rest of her life. Her action was, quote, understandable. It's understandable to shoot someone who's turned their back to you and is leaving the situation. That's understandable. Really? A situation that you heightened yourself. Yeah, that you created. She was saying, I'm paying for this. Yeah, you created the situation. The girl's saying, I'm paying for this. All you had to do was listen to her say that she's paying for it. I would love, I would love to see where this judge is now. Like, ugh. I I should look that up. But that just, like, that struck me to a core. Like, how is that understandable? To shoot someone who is leaving a escalated situation in the back of the head. Makes zero sense. <laughs> I... So the court also stated that Dew shot Harlan under extreme provocation, 
and duress, and it deemed it unlikely that dude would ever commit a serious crime again. That doesn't really matter after the fact because she just committed a serious crime. Like you killed someone. someone. Like you killed someone. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty serious in my book. <laughs> yeah, she already committed a serious crime. Where's the consequence? So furthermore, the judge deemed that Dew's capacity to act rationally in the situation was undermined by her experience with prior robberies. I get it. You got you, you were scared, you got robbed before, but this was not a robbery because the girl was paying for the orange juice. And I'm sorry and it's orange in any juice. circumstance, even if that girl had been stealing the orange juice, which she was not, that's not a robbery. That is shoplifting, and those are two, I'm sorry, very different crimes. <laughs> two different things. You cannot compare those two crimes. She didn't come in with a gun and hold up the register and threaten you. For orange juice, yeah. Like, what? Like, if I own a store and I see a girl run out with a bottle of orange juice, I'm gonna just cut my losses, because guess what? That's like, what, $2 tops? Like, like <laughs> oh, oh my God. All right, well, go on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the uh, a state appeals court later, like unanimously upheld. They upheld what you know Judge Carlin said she was gonna do. They didn't fucking try to do anything to push for a heavier sentence or anything like that. And this was a week before the riots of ninety one, ninety two started. Because ten t t like tensions were already high for the black community at that time. Yeah. Harlan's death came 13 days before the Rodney King beating. Oof. Like the video tape came out, Rodney King getting beat up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So everything was already heightened up. People already wound up. And the incident and reduced sentencing from the court just really made things worse, especially with the like, existing, existing tensions between African-Americans and like Asian-American merchants. Because we all heard those stories of like going to Korean stops and getting like stared down by the owners. It happens to me all the time in Philly. Yeah. Like we all know those Chinese stores. They, we, we, we call them Chinese stores because that's just the name of them usually. And you walk in and they just like, they're sitting behind bulletproof glass and a gate and just kind of stare you down. Yeah. And it's a whole, is it? Well, and it's a thing, the thing that we is, all know about. With cases like this, it absolutely sets the precedent where if someone comes in and they're black, it's like, well, you can kill him because that's a victimless crime. Like, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And that is fundamentally... Look at us now. <laughs> yeah. It is a problem, for sure. Persisting to this day, but, yeah. you know. So those tensions were later uh, really just a snap when some members of the public and activists started, well, you know, started writing in uh, uh, 1992. Uh, the mayor's office estimated that 65% of all businesses that were vandalized during the riots were actually Korean owned. So that should just tell you how <laughs> how fucked up things were. Mm -hmm. And people of the riots actually were on record stating that Harlan's death was part of this catalyst that brought the anger towards those Korean owned shops. Cause they're like, hey, you profile us all the time and look, this girl died. So during the riots, they're like, well, fuck this shop. And they just, which I don't, condone vandalizing random shops that's not okay no but no i can see where the rationale was at this time period it's like i the act uh, itself wrong but the rationalization behind it like you can under, understand i can understand the anger <laughs> yeah and uh do shop during august 17th so now so the shooting happened in march child happened in november so that same august her shop was looted burned and never reopened but later down the line, a couple years later, someone actually bought it over and opened it up again. Mm -hmm. But 
her shop was one of the first ones they vandalized first. They targeted that one first. Yeah. And, uh... Which, I mean, I don't, and I don't condone it, and I do think that's the wrong way to handle things, but also on her end, like, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. There, there you go. You don't got no store now. Yeah. That was on you. And a lot of people, like, activists in the community, like, would speak about Harlan's death, and a lot of celebrities also speak about Harlan's death. Like, for instance, Tupac Shakur. Mm-hmm. He took particular notice in Harlan's death and in 1993 released a song called Keep Your Head Up which was dedicated to Letitia. Oh, I love that song. I never knew that. Yeah, and that was, that was dedicated to her and uh, throughout like a lot of his like music and performances he would reference Harlan and kind of just keep that you know, her name alive yeah. and make sure people were aware of what happened because if you're not aware of these things how can they change, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that is the story of Letitia Harlan. I mean, no no story we ever cover is uplifting. And I mean, none of them are... You don't have a good feeling after any of them. But this one no. is especially infuriating. And I don't know why, but I am, like, livid. <laughs> I think it's more like you can easily see yourself anybody else like uh, your cousin you can see someone you know it being in a situation where they're getting accused of something and just being like i'm gonna extricate myself from this situation it's not worth it turning to leave and then that happens yeah. and the person has basically no consequences other than community service and a 500 dollars fine like your life is only worth 500 dollars. that is infuriating it's and it's just because okay <laughs> the more you try to rationalize, it, it's like you say, "Oh, her actions are understandable." It is not though, because if she would have just took that one second to think about what she was doing, it wouldn't have happened. Let the kid if she leave. She took that one second to pause. Like let, let the, the kid, kid leave, or if she let the just kid listen, leave. Listen to the her. orange juice is already like on the floor. Like go, just let her go. <laughs> and there, and there is a uh, uh, what's it called? The tapes are out, like on YouTube. You can find the security tapes. Yeah, and I'll post those on the Facebook and Instagram too. And you can see where she's waving her hand, the money in her hand, like in her face, saying, "I have the money." Like she's clearly saying, "I have the money for the orange juice." She take the money, and then that's when she throws a stool at her, and she walks away because she's like, "Obviously, you're not taking my fucking money, so I'm just gonna leave." Yeah, and you already attacked her. Like she was defending herself from you putting your hands on her. And then you come out of like, this. Just stool, take the money. Like, if you just took the money, this wouldn't happen. It was such an unnecessary escalation of events. Yeah. And it's, it was based, and the judge saying it's understandable, it was based on profiling. That's kind of basically what happened. She profiled her. Exactly. She saw her walk in and assumed that, oh, this black girl's going to steal from me. So I must defend myself because I've been robbed before. Right. Well, yeah. take a deep breath after that one because <laughs> I, I am pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna take a little woosah, listen to these, going to the break, listen to this music as a little palate cleanser, and we'll get right back into our second case. Slave. 
came free. Nine to five, grind and strive. Fuck a nigga, pay me less. And pay my bills at minimal, but see, it pay me stress. Doing this, doing that, and turn around and scold you true. How I did it wrong when I just did it like you told me to. Fuck you, what I be really thinking, sir. No, sir. That's what I be really speaking. Cause even though this job pissed me off, obviously. We'll make a nigga piss more as living poverty. Obviously, I gotta work, suck it up and give a smirk. Smiling, even though it hurt and see my boss a fucking jerk. They call it a paycheck, it's really disrespect. That shit's so low, I can't afford to call collect. And that's better than my jack with the white socks. I'm steady slaving for days, just give me one shot. Slaving all day, slaving all night. Work slow days and work. Colder. Can see my passion keeps on passing me, I'm getting older That's why I really let people at my job know I rap Cause I just turn to some circus like I'm an acrobat And my co-workers are nosy and I don't miss it hard Can you do a rap at a job Christmas party? Hell no, you ain't shit offended you would ask me to Don't get it twisted that I'm working here cause I'm just passing through But they don't believe me cause I've been here for years working And so it's seeming it's dreaming the rapping ain't working On a professional level it's so objectionable shovel I'm doing dirt with so every day I work shit I'm steady slaving behaving just like I'm roots towing I feel dejected rejected sit on my stoop slowly And it's better than my jack with the white socks I'm steady slaving for days just give me one shot Slaving all day, slaving all night Work slow days and work slow nights Slaving all day, slaving all night and we're back hello all right so what you got for me so the reason this story kind of captured my attention um is there's two sides and i i'm gonna preface it with saying i don't know what the truth is because you never really do in a lot of these stories um, but I first heard about it on Twitter, and I'm just going to let everyone digest it themselves. I still am, but we'll dive in. Oh, here we go. So the story begins on November 2nd, 2013, when Jerry Davis Jr. was shot and killed in Milwaukee. Um, the victim's mother, Gina Clark McKnight, subsequently paid for 15 billboards around the city, urging someone to come forward with details about her son's murder. The billboards read... Justice for Jerry, you know what happened, do the right thing. And the billboards also offered a $5,000 reward for anyone who could offer details about the case. So Davis Jr.'s mother described him as a star football player with a star personality. And she said, quote, Jerry was loved by everybody. Jerry would give you the shirt off his back. And in a separate quote, she stated, he wasn't a violent person. He loved his family, his friends. He always trusted people. And that was his downfall, trust. So, Davis Jr. was shot four times in what's been described as a drug-related robbery, and an alleged witness told police that Davis Jr. got into a car with a man named Demetrius Pugh, along with two other men, with the goal of selling them ecstasy. However, according to the witness, the car began... A little bit of e-bomb. Yeah, yeah, look, look. I'm not gonna gonna speak on my own life, but 
I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. A party. <laughs> I'm just saying. So the witness follows this car until it stops, at which point they claim to have heard five or six gunshots and um, see the car leaving Davis Jr.'s body dead in the street. And among the items taken from him were a cell phone, cash, ecstasy, and his Gucci belt. He left behind an unborn daughter, now five years of age, but she never got to, you know, know her dad because he was killed before she was born. And the witness later identified Demetrius Pugh in a police lineup. And according to the assistant district attorney, police could not determine if Pugh was the one who pulled the trigger, but believed that, quote, he was the one who set this all in motion. So where this gets a little tricky is Pugh was also an ex-boyfriend of Davis Jr.'s mother and had known him since he was a small boy. And his mother described him as someone that was in the house with us, someone who stayed in the house with us, and someone who ate at the table with us. So, on August 23rd of this year, Pugh was convicted on one count of first-degree reckless homicide, use of a dangerous weapon, and one count of armed robbery. His sentence is 36 years in prison, with another 15 of extended supervision. Davis Jr.'s mother stated in court that the murder of my son was deliberate, sadistic, and premeditated. I will never hear Jerry say happy birthday mom again. Hugh, on the other hand, maintained his innocence, stating at the trial, to speak of his death is troubling, hard to cope with. This is a young man I was fond of and pray the real culprit is caught. I am an innocent man. With his mother adding, I'm pleading for mercy. I'm sorry, but my son did not do this crime. So. That's where this story gets confusing, because his family is presenting a very different version of what happened. And like I said, I actually first heard about it on Twitter, where Demetrius's niece posted the family's account of what happened. So I'm just going to read the series of tweets, because I don't know a better way to sum it up. So first she posts a picture, and she says, This is my uncle, Demetrius Pugh. He was wrongly, wrongfully convicted of reckless homicide and armed robbery this past Monday in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The victim was found with DNA of four to five different individuals in the pockets and under his nails, none of which matched my uncle. The initial statement was made by a young lady saying that there were four to five young men driving away in a truck. The next day, she retracted her statement. The police then said, or sorry, the police then found said boys and never ran their DNA. These boys also discussed hitting a lick, drugs, and guns in the days prior and the days following. She says, my uncle was not at the crime scene. He was in the vicinity at his birthday party because he lived near the area of the murder. His first trial was declared a mistrial because one of the alleged witnesses had a breakdown after being on the stand, stating that the police didn't tell her what to say. She was then allowed to get on the stand again during his second trial and said numerous conflicting things. Scott Walker created a law where hearsay is considered sufficient evidence to convict someone. There was another witness who my uncle doesn't even know that said my uncle bragged about murdering the victim. And the witness is in prison serving 18 years for beating his own child nearly to death and admitting saying something to get his time off, yet my uncle was still convicted. The witness allegedly remembers all of these details from a conversation six years ago, but wouldn't even recall his phone number prior to being incarcerated. The state had such a weak case that it should not have been taken to trial. At all. My uncle had a right to a fair and impartial jury and he didn't get that. The jury was filled with white women and two black men. The system is so broken. 
The judge had his mind made up that my uncle was a murderer and used the words cold-blooded killer when discussing my uncle numerous times. He also used the word, well, the N-word, basically, on the record. So... Oh, jeez. I tried to look a lot of this up, but there wasn't anything in the news corroborating this version of events. Um, but the entire family in Pew maintained his innocence, and I... This is one of those cases where I don't know what to believe. Like, I... I really can't speak on it either way, um, but something definitely happened. Something, <laughs> something is, happened. It's hard to discern. It's what is the name of that one podcast? Someone knows something. Like, yeah, someone knows something, and I don't know if it's this alleged witness when supposedly there were fed lines by the police. I, it's just impossible. But that's the murder of Jerry Davis Jr., which is super sad either way. Um, and I mean. I hope and pray that if this man is not really guilty, that they find whoever really did it. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. And this this is this is like recent, right? Like super recent. So it happened in November 2013, and the sentencing happened last month. So it happened a while ago, but we're just barely seeing a conclusion to the case. Maybe something something maybe something will come out in the future because like there's been a couple of murder cases where the actual perpetrator comes forward or gets found out. So, I mean, hopefully this guy isn't a murderer and hopefully maybe something might come out of it. Cause I would hate, that's, just, it's, that's a lot. It's, it's a lot to process and it, it seems a lot that a family would make up a story like that. But I mean, I just- Cause no one's that ride or die for the family. Yeah. Cause they're like, he did it, you go like, oh. No one's gonna fabricate yeah, that entire crazy, version of events. And I wish I could have found the court records or transcripts to see if she's telling the truth about him using like racial slurs and all of that, because obviously that's kind of a game changer, but- That's a whole- I, I wasn't able to find it. If someone out there can, I'd be very interested in seeing it. So just putting that out there. That's all you got? That's all I got. It was a short one. It was a short one this week. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I'm going to keep my ear off of that because I would, I would love to see if something else came out of it. And I, I do plan on like doing a little more research. And if I can find anything out to like corroborate this girl's story, I'll, I'll bring it up. But I don't know. It was just kind of a crazy case to look into. So I think it's time for our announcement. I, I, I told you. But things are actually like official. Yeah, that's official, official now. So we are the first Blackburn podcast to be added to the archives and library of an amazing app that's coming out run by the amazingly talented and smart black queer woman of the Uppity Negress podcast. Now, that podcast is funny as shit. Like, those chicks are hilarious. They're like, they're all like college educated. One of them, I think one has like a PhD, the one has a master's. Like they're all just like incredibly great black oh, okay. women of the community I didn't know out all there. Of that. Just, like, That's awesome. Yeah, so they're just like awesome women. And uh, I follow them like religiously. And a couple months ago, they were talking about how like a lot of their posts and stuff were getting like messed up with an algorithm on Facebook. And like whenever they would. Like whenever people label things as like a black or black owned on the internet, they kind of get like pushed to the side because is the algorithm is fucked up. But we were, they're, they're making an app that is called the Cookout app. And it is imitation only, is black centered social media platform for safe space for black speech, ideas and businesses 
I celebrated and this they help is networking and helping each other out. Hate speech and any black speech or police respectfully to the targeted demographic. Uh it's the name is named the cookout because you know you get invited to the cookout. Exactly. It's a big community. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and the cookout seeks to bring the spirit of the community that inherits its like the namesake from and just uplift each other. Uh because mainstream social media is flailing black users like black millennials academics and entrepreneurs are becoming disillusioned with the larger social media platforms like facebook instagram and twitter because they're they're just missing a mark with black users and there's it's unfair and skewed community standards on facebook instagram and twitter that leave black people and poc you're just feeling like unfairly targeted and it hides black businesses in the algorithms that are marked with the word black because that's deemed as controversial and political so they're like hide those in the but they do the same thing if someone puts like white owned or something like that they deem that as like political and then hide it within the algorithms so these like for us by us businesses aren't getting their time and day and basically this app is just for everyone to kind of come together and be just one big happy family and they put out like an apb that they wanted black owned podcasts and musicians to get on the app so I sent them a little email, like with my little application. They got racked back with Kiki, like emailed me immediately and was like, I love it. I want you on board. I was like, awesome. Then like she emailed me the link and said, all right, like we're putting you in know, a lot of berries. Like she made a whole big thing on my Facebook and I'm excited. I'm excited too. I think great. it's going to be awesome. App- it's, and it's a great partnership. <clears throat> and the app drops October 1st. So so you can like sign up now to get like your reservation slot so you can already have the app like it's it's something you want to hop on and it's for everybody so like you can just really be part of the community really just uplift each other and chill at the cookout because it's going to be lit <laughs> and just piggybacking off of that and this may be a tangent is obviously a subject for another time but if anyone wants to look into it on the subject of Black creators being silenced or really any minority, you should look into the racism of algorithms in Silicon Valley because it is a real issue. And this is not the first time I've heard of people being silenced via, you know, a website like Facebook. So just just something to think about and something to study if you're so inclined. Yeah, like the fact that we're starting to have to make our own platforms too. <laughs> uplift ourselves and give ourselves the time and day it really shows you something about these big companies and their algorithm but hey, we're doing it for ourselves like we always have and it's gonna be fun like yeah. <laughs> i'm just really excited for this app to come out i mean if you can't find a seat at the table bring your own table <laughs> yeah bring yeah exactly and i'll be updated the facebook page we are as a facebook group i've made a post on instagram so hop on that because like ugh, I can't when the deployment's over in like the next two months I'll finally be home and I have more time to like sit down and do stuff and I'll be back in my own studio you're so. coming home we're go- but, oh yeah so two we months need, 100 days we need to plan a meetup um, I don't know if you guys know this but Andre and I have never actually met in person no but we have FaceTime our entire relationship has been virtual for like what the past like three years maybe four years it's been a while yeah, it's been about three years. <laughs> it's, it's been a long yeah, time it really has but no because because i'm taking like i'm taking like three months off i'm not doing shit so yeah we can definitely plan a meetup i like uh, yeah we'll, we'll discuss this off the podcast but 
it would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, so yeah, that's all I have. Uh, that's all I have. Obviously, follow us on all of our platforms. We're on Twitter at MurderBra, in- Instagram, some Murder. What else do we have? Oh, yeah, Facebook, some Murder. And we will link to all of our sources for these stories in the show notes. Yes, and the music. And music. And yeah, just I hope you had fun. See you guys in two weeks. We love you. We love you. Go- I just throw a peace sign again. I don't know why I keep doing <laughs> You're that. Like, no one can see this, but peace. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but peace. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Colored Commentary Network. Colored Commentary Network. Colored Commentary Network. Colored Commentary Network, where inclusivity matters.